Three, two, one. Golden Opinions. Okay, welcome back to the second installment of Golden Opinions. You know me, you love me, I'm your host, Trongan. Last time we discussed the ethics of CRISPR and germline editing. Today we'll be discussing another topic that is also very prevalent in today's world, drug addiction. Specifically, we will, di- we will be discussing the effect that the legalization of medicinal cannabis has on the opioid epidemic. Today I'm with three other people, and they're going to quickly introduce themselves before we delve in. So originally there was also going to be one more person, but something came up and she had to cancel. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Charles. I'm currently a sophomore uh, studying biochemistry and I also have a minor in psychology. Hi, my name is Ben. I'm, a, I'm also a sophomore studying human biology with a minor in health communications. Hi, I'm Angela. I'm also a sophomore and I'm a computer science major. Now that you guys have met everyone, you're probably wondering why computer science major? <laughs> well... <laughs> Let's call it diversity. Now it's important to know that drugs and addiction are not lighthearted and cheery topics, so this is a forming, formal warning to all those listening. As you know, the opioid epidemic is getting quite severe here in the U.S. Opioids are prescribed for pain management, and recently there has been an emergence of medicinal cannabis being used as an alternative to opioids. There's many layers behind the opioid epidemic, but these topics run deep and are for another day, perhaps even another podcast. Before we delve into my argument and the evidence I have for you all today, what are your what are some initial thoughts you guys have on the topic? I feel like it's a pretty uh, controversial, um, very like popular topic, like hot topic nowadays. Um, and there's a lot like revolving around you know, not only like the ethics about it, but also like how that how marijuana itself is like used within like a medicinal you know setting. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I just want to add on that, like, <clears throat> I feel like, kind of sort of like the legalization, like, there are a lot of states that allow uh, the possession of marijuana, but I think there's something to say about that. And, like, marijuana is also regarded as, like, a gateway drug, so a lot of people um, would start on that and eventually um, transition to harder drugs, such as, like, opioids or cocaine. Okay, very interesting thoughts. So, as for my argument for the topic, it's... The legalization of medicinal cannabis has helped to combat the opioid epidemic. While some of these studies might suggest that there is no decrease in the prevalence of opioid abuse, it is still important to push for a change because one thing is certain, you cannot overdose from medicinal cannabis, while the same cannot be said about opioids. <clears throat> At the very least, one deadly addiction is treated is traded with a non-deadly but equally destructive addiction. I see it as kind of like a double-edged sword, with one side inflicting less harm. If both sides hurt in the end, it's just more logical to choose the side that hurts the least. Also, a quick note, this is not an open invitation to actually try an overdose on cannabis to prove everyone wrong. I will be providing some background and evidence to my esteemed friends here with me, and you can all decide your own argument regarding the topic as the evidence is presented. But first, before any background, this argument actually reminds me of the conversation Ben, Leah, and I had yesterday during the Winter Wonderland event in the courtyard. You remember that? No. How? Okay. Wait, basically, wait. Leah presented us with a moral dilemma. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, I relayed this on later to Angela when we had dinner to her. So Charles, you're the only one that like, hasn't heard it yet. So okay, okay. let's imagine the scenario, okay? Essentially, um, imagine your best friend told you they were going to show you something cool. They then take you into a classroom of 40 elementary age students and pull out a gun, pointing it at them. How many kids would you let them kill before you yourself shot them in the head? No one? Like, what? What? Wait, hold on. 
Because I'd have to take his life. Yeah. So, you wouldn't let him shoot any kids? Yeah, no. Yeah, I'd, I'd say none as well. Yeah, okay. See, that's interesting because Leah said 10 kids, which is like, what the fuck, right? But, I mean, she's not here, so we can slander her for being a child murderer. Didn't Ben say one? Yeah, Ben did say one. And Angela and I agreed with zero. Well, no, because he was saying, like, oh, in the moment, maybe, like, I would be too shocked or no, something. No, I, no, I, no, the question was, like, so are you saying that in that moment I knew that they would have pulled the trigger? Or I was unsure? Well, I mean, the argument is, like, if they have the intention of... But so I, the I, so I knew that they had the intention. Well, they're there. The they're right there. there. They pulled the gun. Like, yeah, but what I have known, they pulled the trigger. Well, I mean, so you, you're the one to wait for the action to happen before you would decide. Yeah, because what if it doesn't happen and then you just killed someone? Well, my man has a gun and he's pointing at kids. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like... It's kind of a risk going to take. See, I argue that simply just having the intention and the premeditation to bring that gun... In the first place, <coughs> pull it out and then point it at kids is like enough to justify murder because, like, at the end of the day, it's it's one life versus forty. So it's like, if they have the gun, then I think that's egregious enough to warrant death, especially when they're pointing at just children. Like, come on. Okay, so that was a tangent, but it brings me to my point for mentioning this, and it's basically that, like my argument regarding the topic, the objectively best and most logical option is the one that causes the least amount of harm to others. One life is worth much less than the lives of any number greater than that. So similar to the opioid or medicinal cannabis debate, you can't treat someone who is dead. So I don't see anything wrong with trading one addiction for another if it means that at the end of the day, the individual will be alive to at the very least be given the opportunity to go through treatment. Now we're going to move on to some background because you guys have absolutely no knowledge. Um, first of all, the International Institute for Highway Safety has noted that 48 states have legalized cannabis for medicinal use. But what does this mean exactly? Well, there's no universal regulation, so what medicinal cannabis means in one state is not the same thing in another. And this is a big issue because unlike opioids, there are really no standards that are imposed, so its use is dependent on each state's laws which affects study results and outcomes for patients. Also, cannabis is actually a Schedule One drug federally, which means it has the highest potential for abuse and is among drugs like heroin and meth. And remember, since federal law trumps state law, this also means that it is federally illegal, but the federal government chooses not to enforce it. And there's a lot of like reasons why marijuana is a Schedule One drug, and none of them are actually due to its inherent properties because it's more of racist origins. What I've learned in class, and it makes so much sense because people nowadays are just legalizing marijuana for recreational use. So it's like, no one's dying from it, it's fine. So it should not be schedule one because heroin, come on, that's... <laughs> Moving on. The most fucked thing I saw recently on TikTok was like, um, from a psychiatrist I follow, and it's like, obviously, it's TikTok, it's not going to be trusted, but I learned that meth can actually get prescribed to you, and I was just like, what the fuck, are you serious? And it's just crazy to me that the amount of hard drugs that can get prescribed, and how some people are like, so willing to use it for treatment, but not try medicinal cannabis. And what's even crazier to me is that like, I'm so down to try cocaine, but when like, 
Leah asked me if I wanted to try edibles for the first time a while back. I was like hesitant. I don't know why. I just, I was just, and I've smoked cannabis before, and I've also done ecstasy. So it's like I don't know why I just didn't want to try edibles, and I'm so down for like everything else. <clears throat> but it's interesting because Angela and I are from Oregon, and you know we're like very pro drug use out there. Like we just legalized shrooms for use in psychiatric facilities, and we also decriminalized all hard drugs. So. Like we're, we're like a pretty pro-drug state, which is, I don't know why, but I thought it was interesting. And that actually brings me to a point because growing up, it was kind of ingrained into me because you know how Asian parents are, but like also you, Charles, you live in Tennessee. So it's like, how was it there? Um, <clears throat> I guess you could say like isolated. What do you mean? Like there wasn't a lot of like Asian Americans there like me. No, I, I, so sorry. I, I meant, like, how was the opinion regarding cannabis? Because, like, that's the oh, South, so it's like, yo, you know. You were, on, you were talking about Asian parents. No, I know, but like, I was, the point I was trying to make is, like, Asian parents, you know, they're, like, very anti-drug. Oh, okay, so drugs. So, like, the South, you know, the connection to making is the South, they're also historically very anti-drugs. So, like, how was that? Anti-drugs? Yeah, you know, well, I like, think, like the southern states have like very strict cannabis laws and they're like the ones that are least likely to um or the, the ones that were most hesitant to allow medicinal cannabis yeah i don't know from my own experience i don't think that's the case oh really maybe that's a state thing but like i feel like that is not exactly true per se realistically but yeah okay okay <laughs> very interesting is that based on some personal experience you have here? I'd say personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So back to more background. A formal diagnosis of opioid use disorder in the DSM-5, which is a book of mental disorders and the diagnostic criteria, requires patients to meet two to three of these criteria for a mild use disorder, four to five for a moderate use disorder, and six or more for a severe use disorder. And there are 11 criteria total, some of which include unsuccessful efforts to limit the use of opioids, craving, tolerance, and withdrawal. Okay, I'm gonna ramble on again because these criteria just give me the wrong vibes, you know? Because I wholeheartedly believe that the context of use is a big factor in determining drug addiction. Um, you guys obviously know that I wanna be an addiction psychiatrist and I believe that this is like so crucial to look at um, because why a person is using drugs is really important and of course, research has shown that there has been, there are genetic predispositions, um, but I think that the drive to escape reality, which is the context of use, is also a very big factor. And of course, drugs are inherently addictive, um, but just because something is addictive does not mean you will get addicted. I'm sure you guys have heard that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. And in recent findings, there is actual evidence to suggest that sugar and sweet reward can be more rewarding and attractive and their neural substrates are more robust than cocaine. Uh, the thing is, you can also develop an addiction to anything because that drive to escape reality is sometimes so overwhelming and some people do not have adequate coping mechanisms. And drugs are just a very easy way to forget about our problems and feel immensely happy. So you can imagine that these people who were prescribed opioids in the first place have a lot on their plate. There are so many compounding factors that could easily contribute to an opioid addiction, adding to our opioid epidemic. Think about it like this. You're in excruciating pain, 
you have to worry about how to pay your absurd medical bills and maybe you can't work anymore. You take these pills and you feel so much better. You feel a high, you feel good. Or maybe you're a big shot associate lawyer in big law working your ass off every day. But at the end of each day, you go to the bar and you drink to your heart's content. Maybe that eventually moves on to day drinking and it just goes on from there. So when treating addiction, you must treat the person and not the disease. I believe this philosophy should be applied to all aspects of medicine, but it is especially important in the treatment of addiction because there are just so many things in a person's life that are contributing to their addiction. Okay, that was a huge tangent, but before I delve into some of the evidence, the key thing I want to note is that with opioids, an addiction means that they will seek out other ways of getting opioids, oftentimes from drug dealers, with these street drugs, there's always a chance that the drug is laced with something else and very few people test their drugs. With cannabis, it is much easier to obtain and it is also locally regulated in a lot of states and significantly less likely to be laced. That's why they always say test your drugs. Now onto the actual evidence. <clears throat> so a lot of studies indicated that it might not be the best pain reliever, but for situations in which it works, the patient should be using medicinal cannabis instead of opioids in order to, at the very least, reduce the death toll associated with the opioid epidemic. From what I've seen, there's a lot of literature regarding the topic, but many of them contain misleading findings with no scientific evidence to support such titles. For example, in one of the sources I looked at, the title suggests that the opioid epidemic is being replaced with a marijuana epidemic, but the evidence they provided was self-reported, outdated, and that just raised a lot of red flags. And I spent hours sifting through all the information because there was a lot of it regarding the topic, but sources like these simply cloud real scientific evidence because they were just extremely flawed. And the first set of evidence I have for you guys is with respect to opioid overdoses. There's has been a lot of evidence showing that no one has died from withdrawal or an overdose related to medicinal cannabis use. Another source actually found that the states with legal cannabis dispensaries helped to reduce opioid overdoses by 27%. And in 2016, it was found that about two thirds of overdoses, uh, all drug overdoses were due to opioids. So <clears throat> the study found that legalizing medicinal cannabis itself through law is not enough to reduce opioid deaths. And in fact, had no statistically significant effect on opioid overdose deaths. Another source uses data from the NIDA to show that there was a correlation between medicinal cannabis legalization and a decrease in opioid overdose death. But remember that causation does not equal correlation, so I would take that with a grain of salt. And this source emphasizes how it's also not possible to overdose from a cannabis addiction, even though there are a slew of negative effects associated with such. The article, while supporting the switch from opioids to cannabis, seem to have a stigmatizing undertone towards cannabis use as if opioid use isn't much worse. And lastly, there is mixed evidence to suggest that there is a reduction in the rates of opioid overdose and opioid related hospitalizations in states with medicinal cannabis laws. Now, as for how medicinal cannabis has affected opioid use and abuse, there has been a lot of evidence for the support of medicinal cannabis in treating chronic pain, epilepsy, Crohn's disease, and more. However, due to cannabis's legal, uh, federal classification, funding for more research is lacking, even though it is crucially needed. There has also been some evidence that shows medicinal cannabis can be effective in reducing overall opioid use when compared to states without medicinal cannabis laws. 
There was one study that found cannabis allowed patients to reduce their reliance on opioids and that cannabis was actually equal to opioids in pain relief. Some patients indicated that they preferred cannabis over opioids for pain relief. However, in regards to opioid abuse, the amount of patients who misuse opioids did not change whatsoever with or without medicinal cannabis laws. It is also important to note that this study was done in 2019, and by now, only two states have no medicinal cannabis laws, so updated data will, be, will not be seen for a few more years. Another study found that medicinal cannabis reduced the dosage of opioids by 78% in a group of about 1,000 patients with a median age of 52, which is the target group for medicinal cannabis use because that's the age where chronic pain starts and then opioid medications get prescribed. And beyond that, the overall opioid use among the patients dropped from 28% to 11% in just six months. And the study also found that patients develop a tolerance to the side effects of medicinal cannabis, but not to its therapeutic effects in those six months. The study shows decent evidence as to how cannabis can play a potential harm reduction role in addressing the opioid epidemic. So I know that was a lot of rambling and a lot of evidence presented, but with this evidence presented, do you guys think medicinal cannabis should be used to combat the opioid epidemic? Um, I think yes, because um, there have been a lot of cases where people um, get prescribed opioids while they're in the hospital and then they eventually like get addicted to that, um, which, you know, is not really a good cycle to be in. So um, having marijuana prescribed instead of um, opioids can really like reduce that, um, the rate of addiction. I mean, but don't you think that you can just as easily get addicted to marijuana? Um, yeah, but like you said earlier, like the effects of marijuana aren't as detrimental as um, the effects of opioids. So, you know, the lesser, lesser, less sharp side of the story. <laughs> the lesser two evils. Yes. Okay. Oh, nice way of putting it. What about you guys? Um, just looking at the effects of marijuana and how it's like a psychoactive slash mind altering drug. Um, I feel like it is a good way to combat um, the opioid, opioid uh, epidemic. Um, just look at like Wiz Khalifa and like Snoop Dogg. Like they smoke so much and they're still alive. So. <laughs> like honestly like i feel like yeah okay but see the thing is they smoke they, they smoke recreational cannabis so it's not, i mean this Wait, i mean you're, you're right though it, it, it is no they're not the same oh yeah they're not the same but like in terms of like <laughs> the thing <laughs> okay so maybe i did not explain that but recreational cannabis is at a much lower dosage of thc than recreational cannabis so i mean that is a fair point there's still <laughs> so you said, you said recreational twice yeah wait <laughs> okay you're right Just you're right say it again. yeah so what i meant to say then <laughs> was that um, medicinal cannabis exists at a much lower dosage of thc than recreational cannabis so i guess it is still a fair point wait, but it still wait. Makes sense yeah it's still yeah. it's still a fair point but there, i mean just saying they're not the same thing no, because the medicinal is like more controlled. Yeah, it's, more it, control. it's like a percent. Is THC like that? THC is the addictive ingredient. Yeah. yeah. And or the the active ingredient. And medicinal has less THC. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's control. more controlled. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's, it's like, like it's for the person, so it's like yeah. made custom. It's like yeah. It's it's not designed. It's supposed to give you. Uh, 
a high as it were like normal kids does, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. So I mean that is a fair point because they're still alive after smoking recreational, so people yeah. should be fine on medicinal. I heard that he spends like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on oh my weed alone. So. And before it was like like widely available, like legalized in the States, people probably used medicinal marijuana um, instead of recreational. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't think it's a problem to, to use it, you know, especially if it's like in a controlled environment, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't I don't find it like a bad thing. And like, as as we know, with your evidence, like there's not that many um, cases where there's like any bad side effects, you know, as, as studied, you know, as, as what as other drugs would be, you know, it shouldn't be like a schedule one, but like, you know, heroin. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's, it's definitely, it, it could be utilized, you know, so. Okay, now I have a follow-up question. So say you were put in a situation where you were prescribed pain medications. Would you personally choose opioids or cannabis? I would choose whatever the doctor told me to take. I don't know. Like, yeah, but you say you're given two options. What would you rather? Why would they opioids or cannabis? I ask whatever they think is better. I don't know, like... Cause like I had to take like codeine before, like for a sinus infection. Like I just take whatever like the doctor gives me. So you put full trust in your doctor. Yeah. You wouldn't want to make the choice yourself. Um, you you have two options. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, you wouldn't, be, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be presented with two options by your yeah. doctor. Yeah. Like in that they give you they give you an option. Yeah. They give you options. Yeah. So what would you yeah, choose at the end? I mean, obviously they will give you like what they think is best, but you yeah. in the they end, wouldn't say you want crack. Or weed. Stop. Well, they're not going to give you crack as a thing. But you said you're presented with... Yeah, you're going to give you opioids like morphine. or morphine. cannabis. I say, well... And what would you personally do? Yeah. I, I, would, I would just get, like, <laughs> whatever the like, doctor is. You know, it's, like, it's like opioids aren't as... They're at, are more addictive than, <laughs> you know, marijuana. Yeah. But I also trust myself not to get addicted, so... I would yeah, so it just depends on, like situation i'd say yeah so you just don't have a preference i i don't think i have a preference yeah me either damn okay now (laughs) all of these sources did mention that some patients are unwilling to try medicinal cannabis as an alternative and physicians are also unwilling to suggest it as one because they claim the research is lacking However, even though research is lacking, medicinal cannabis is giving, given at much lower dose than recreational cannabis. And if people are so willing to give it the go at opioids, why not try medicinal cannabis, which is objectively much safer? And I mean, sure, there are decades worth of established research. There's also decades worth of pain, suffering, and loss associated with opioids. Well, cannabis is being pushed for recreational use more and more every day. Seems to me like a clear-cut answer, but I suppose the situation is much more complex than I'm making it out to be. And again, I wanted to reiterate an earlier point where I think it's very interesting that cannabis is painted as another harmful drug that will cause a spiral of addiction. But I think the fact of it is you simply cannot overdose on cannabis. This means that even if one addiction is traded for another, the individual will be alive to fight it. From what I see, these people stand no fighting chance when they're dead. So like I said earlier, I wholeheartedly believe that even if it is training one addiction for another and using medicinal cannabis as a substitute for opioids in situations where it works, can go an incredibly long way in fighting the opioid epidemic.
That's all I have regarding the topic, but I did want to know what you guys thought about drug addicts and specifically your perception of them. Um, I feel like, especially since I live, so I live in a, a, the Bay Area in a city called Alameda, which is like right next to Oakland. And Oakland's pretty known for drug addicts, like the high population. Like I remember, I'm pretty sure like every time I go visit friends and family, I always have encounters with drug addicts. So. I feel like for me, it's like a normal part of everyday life. But what do you feel about them? Like, what do you think about them, their character, who they are as a person? I mean, I don't pay attention just because I've been taught to ignore. So I haven't really seen the true, like, consequences. So you don't have any stereotypes about drug addicts or anything? What are your conceptions about them, you know? I mean, if I see someone talking to themselves, then I'll avoid them. Okay. What about you guys? Um, coming from Portland and then moving to Los Angeles, I feel like every single time I go out, um, some drug addict always approaches me. Um, so I'm kind of like scared of them, especially because I'm a girl and it's a little more dangerous. But also I kind of like feel bad for them because like a lot of people, it's just like, just like a wrong road that they took in life. And like some people are probably like, trying to get better and others are just not and they're like just kind of like suffering out there um so even though i try to avoid them like i still get a little bad sometimes i talk to them if they talk to me because i feel bad i scared <laughs> wait do you think it's worse in la um oh definitely yeah i think every single time i've gone out in no LA, way yeah there are like there's like been times where like like me and one of my friends would be like waiting for the bus and then like a drug addict would like approach us and try to talk with there was one time where i was alone and i was getting followed by um a drug addict and it was kind of scary but let's try to talk to him so he wouldn't like you know attack me um yeah you haven't had these experiences in portland i have but it's just more you really LA. think it's more in la well yeah. like it well it's because do you ever like walk just downtown in portland like that because like yeah. we're in like downtown la like, obviously, like, if you're talking about just, like, around, like, Clackamas or, like, just anywhere else, it's, that's more, that's more, like, suburban. Yeah. So, it's no, like, they're not, I, like, I they're not perfectly there, like, like downtown. I take, I take public transportation a lot oh. in Portland. And you don't have those encounters? I, I do, I do. I but, just like, have, you think it's worse here? Yeah. It's just, like, like, the people in Portland, I don't know if it's, like, the drugs or something, but, like, the people in Portland, like, they usually just talk to me to talk. I feel like people here are but like, like do you not see like them. do you not see like the homeless camps and stuff like there's always like piles of syringes just all the time yeah, in la yeah. too no no okay. yeah. oh, and also the population in la is like okay no yeah. okay that's true yeah. but then like portland does have like the worst like homelessness yeah yeah because like there's literally like a page dedicated to it to like taking pictures of these syringes and posting up like it's I mean, the person running the page is, like, definitely a horrible person, but, like, it just shows, like, there's, like, syringes everywhere. And, like, I remember, like, I don't know if you know, but, like, Bike Town, PDX, where, like, there's, they have, like, electric Nike bikes, and oh, we yeah. just, like, rent them. And then we just usually drive around the city, and, like, there one time we stopped for a rest, but, like, we just, it was, like, right in front of uh, tents, and then there's, like, a bunch of syringes on the ground, and then there was a dude in there, and we were just, like, talking really loud, so we were just, like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, I mean... Like, when we were in San Diego for the, the retreat for BSA. Wait, you guys had an encounter like that? Yeah, during, remember, you know, the mall we went to? 
Remember? Mall. The mall. We went to a spectrum? No, no. It was oh, the GNC when we went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that mall. Uh-huh. Do you remember that that guy was walking across? He had a syringe like in it, like right here, like next to his ear. Oh yeah, Do you remember that? dude. Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That how it's like so accessible. Yeah. It's just well, I, was, I wasn't trying to compare like drug users yeah. in like LA and Portland. Uh-huh. I'm just yeah. saying that like being in both towns and encountering like that many drug addicts, like. <clears throat> When you guys teamed up for the mall thing, like when yeah, your drivers, bro, why did my drive? It was freaking Quan teamed up with Leah, and I was like, I was like, where is everyone else? Wait, did everyone else team up? Like, no, I have no idea. My, my car was alone. Like, my car was just my car. Oh, wait, who was your driver? Um, Cindy. Oh, never mind. Okay, actually, back to. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. No, because I thought like. Like that car was isolating, wasn't it? Are you it? putting this in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, it's, it's a tangent, but um, what what do you think, Charles, about drug addicts? Your perceptions? My perceptions of drug addicts. Well, yeah. I come from Tennessee, a little, mm-hmm. definitely a smaller city in uh-huh. LA. Um, I actually don't think like I see that many drug addicts where I come from. But like when I came over here, definitely like not only homelessness, but also like drugs and, and use and all that. It's just like definitely a lot more you know like in, in public um and just like um yeah i guess like the the la in general just like city population i mean yeah so it's like you know you're gonna see a lot of that so but for me perception of drug addicts i just kind of like same thing with you guys kind of like just stay away you know and like i do feel bad and like i do know like people come from different places and how they got into drugs you know like it's all situational, you know, but um, yeah, that's just my general feelings about it. Actually, I just remember something. It's because um, why we have such like a big homeless population was because like all our asylums back in like a long time ago, they like just pushed out all the all the people. Like some of them, a lot of them closed, and they pushed out all the people. And like that's why like a lot of the homeless population in Portland also is. Like are addicted because like they were never able to tr- be treated as such, and then also guys, um, I do have a follow up. Um, how do you guys feel about drug use, and what have your experiences with drugs been so far? I don't use drugs. Feel free to be open. I don't use drugs. Um, <coughs> I've, I've been on edibles like three times in my life. I mean, that's, that's, that's a drug. That's a drug. And, and, and I puked the first time. Um, so you green now? Yeah. But those are drugs. I guess. I mean, I don't, like, I, I don't really see myself becoming addicted to them because I don't even take them that often. I don't even like it that much. I'm being honest, I just do it to, like, fit in. Kind of oh, cool. so you caved to peer um, pressure. Uh, kind of. Like, it was just, like, just to try it. Just mm, to, like, okay. you know, okay. do it. Um, but I love how none of us consider like alcohol drugs. It's just college. oh yeah, just college, oh yeah. I talked about alcohol. I, I don't. I'm not addicted to alcohol though. Yeah. Um, I just drink it. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying you are. I'm just asking about your experiences with drugs. You know. Oh, but like, <laughs> like coming from like a lower income high school too. Um, a lot of people there, uh, like smoked weed a lot. Um, and like had vapes and stuff like that. And like, just like the past like three years, I've watched almost all of my friends become like like drug addicts um, um which is kind of sad to see i mean i mean you know douglas douglas is horrible yeah so yeah i don't know. I, don't, I don't really like drugs that much but like i like i don't know i don't have much of an opinion okay okay 
I mean, that was good. What about you guys? I don't. Especially you, Ben. I'm not taking drugs, but do supplements count? Like, creatures? No. Are my supplements <laughs> drugs? Yes, vitamin C. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I don't take any drugs, just, I don't know. Like, ever? I, don't, like, I don't feel the need to. I mean, ever? Like, yeah. in your lifetime? I mean, yeah, yeah that's true, but you know. Drugs, so. Yeah. Okay. That's so good of you. Yeah. Like, I haven't even taken, like, medicine when I'm sick. Wait, why? Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't even talk about Use raw dog. Use raw dog. Use raw dog. Use raw dog. Use like this. I use, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, okay. that's great. I mean, I don't, I don't take medicine when I'm, like, sick either, but, like, um, if I'm, like, really, really sick, like, a sinus infection, I would, I would take medicine. Well, yeah, because it's an infection, so, I mean. It's a viral infection. Yeah. So you gotta deal with it. Yeah, what about you, Charles? Me? Um, I have a lot of experience. Mm. I don't want to out myself, but... I mean, you're <laughs> free. They, they don't care. We, yeah, they want but, you to be candid. all of us I have, I have a lot of friends who do it. Um, yeah, I remember I have, like, a story, like, a friend of mine back home. Um, yeah, he got, like, in an accident or something that they gave him morphine oh, or, or similar opioid, and, like, he kind of got hooked onto it. Um, but, yeah. And then I know a lot of stories about like Adderall. Adderall is also used a lot. Oh yeah, especially in Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adderall. Yeah, especially like I don't know our age and like just yeah. just like students use that a lot and abuse it, even though it's you know used to treat you know ADHD. Yeah. But like a lot of people use that. So yeah, I mean I have a good variety of like personal experiences with drugs. It's such as but. But yeah, you know, such <laughs> as Charles. The point, so. You know, what have you done? Uh, a uh, variety, such <laughs> as uh, weed. Um, okay. Yeah, weed. Um, there's acid, and then yeah, shrooms. Um, then you got everything, huh? And also Adderall. Yeah, same too. That's and like everything. That's yeah. I think that's like the main. Ones. That's the main. Have you done any super hard drugs? No, no, no. I. I Personally, would not. Oh, okay. So I would build myself up with like heroin. You draw the line. Yes. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. All right. Well, that was an awesome talk. Um, Thank you guys for coming to my podcast, being here, especially during study days. Okay, so we're back again with a special guest. Leah wasn't able to make it to the actual podcast, Hi. but she did agree to do an interview with me. So please introduce yourself really quick, Leah. Hi, I'm Leah. Um, I'm a sophomore and I'm a neuroscience major. Um, I'm also on the pre-dent track. I'm doing good. Awesome. Okay, so I know today you have a pretty big paper due. How was that? Uh, it was just like the final paper for my like 100 class, which it wasn't too bad. I wrote about um, OCD because we have to choose oh, a mental illness. Pretty fun. Interesting. How was your day? Um, I'm pretty stressful, pretty tired, but okay. So as you know, this topic is about addiction and uh-huh. specifically the opioid epidemic, epidemic <coughs> and how medicinal cannabis has affected it. And honestly, I'm unable to present you information because it's a little too dense. But I do have some questions I genuinely wanted to know. And I just wanted to know, like, what are your perceptions about drug addicts? Like, what do you think about them? Your stereotypes? How do you view them? 
Okay, let me think. I honestly don't really have much experience with them, but um, I do think that. Oh yeah, because you grew up in a pretty like safe, secluded neighborhood. I was pretty sheltered. Kind of sheltered. Yeah, and the only time that I, I guess I would have had like encounters with them was like um, over this summer where I lived um, in downtown downtown LA. Mm. Um, but I feel like it's not really like their fault. Like, um, how um how I feel like the. The only time where it's like in their hands, in in terms of like like addiction, especially with like something as serious as drugs, is like when they start it for the first time. But even then, oftentimes they can get like pressured into it um, for like a lot of different reasons. Mm, um, I feel like a lot of times people think like drug addicts stereotypically are like homeless, um, but at the same time, like it can like appear in like so many different ways and so many different people. There, there are probably some drug addicts here <laughs> i mean <laughs> you wouldn't be wrong but so you don't have any negative um perceptions of them you don't think they're bad people i think they're weak um i think i personally it would be it, it's it's like i think um i don't think i i would choose to be friends first with someone if like the only thing i knew about mm. them was their addiction very interesting but um see we actually did like an activity in class about that where like we were given slips of paper and it was just like it was about the same person but each time it was a different tidbit so the first time it was just like oh this, there's this girl she's 30 she recently graduated from college she um works at a grocery store and that's it like would you be friends with her sure she seems cool and then like the other pieces of paper were like oh She's the same thing, but now she's addicted to meth. Mm. And there's the same thing, and then they use the term crackhead. So it's like each, <clears throat> each, oh. uh, yeah, each slip like increased in its vulgarity and like, the type of language used to describe an addict. Like obviously, influences how much you would want to be a friend, or like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's. Um. Um, I think it came with, like, someone of, like, when I, like, grow up, when I grew and developed, like, to a sense of maturity where, like, um, I guess my parents always told me that, like, people who did drugs were, like, inherently bad people, but, like, when I had, like, made friends, like, true, true, like, really, like, deep connections with them, and then only after that, I found out that they had experiences with, like, <clears throat> a couple, like, hard drugs or something, like, um, only then I was, like, um, you know, it's not really, like, that big a deal. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm just like, yeah, growing up, like, my parents definitely also thought, like, drug addicts were horrible people, and, like, of course, I want to go into addiction psychiatry now, so it's like, I have to wrestle with those, like, thoughts that they put ingrained into me when I was young, so, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome that, like, you don't have any, like, ill will towards them. <laughs> I think we definitely need more people like that, especially, like, with, <laughs> yeah, with, with how things are going at the moment. But I do have one more question for you, and I just wanted to know, what do you feel about drug use, and what have your experiences been with drugs so far? How do I feel about it? Like, yeah, personally, yeah. like, when I see other people do it, or when I'm about to do it? Both, you know? Mm, okay, well, I vaguely remember, like, my very first encounter with weed, because it was, it was only, like, this semester. Oh. Um, I felt so, and, like... 
seeing other people do it around me, especially with friends that like I really, really trust. Like at first I was very intimidated because they were just they were doing like wax pens, and then I was like, seeing it. Actually, I didn't even know they were like like having a smoke night. Like I just went in. Oh, I thought they were like watching. Geez. They were gonna be watching Studio Ghibli, and they were all like, what's what's going on? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like so you, what was that? They kind of trapped you? Or? They didn't trap me, but they thought I had experience already, but oh. I didn't and so they were like oh well okay but my friend my friend he was like super super like reassuring or like he walked me through every single step of the way he gave me like a really big pep talk before i took my first hit and when i took my first hit i felt immediately like tainted like i Jeez. felt i felt like like a delinquent and i oh first like i was almost like a like a courage of disappointment and i felt really bad oh i felt like i shouldn't feel like that but i did and it was like I, I think it was the act of smoking itself like if it was just an edible it would, it would have been okay but mm, I think yeah because I know cigarettes are really really bad have you ever smoked a cigarette or like vape or no the jewel? most I've done is just weed in, oh. from one singular pen so and that started here like before all of this here. so you were sheltered sheltered was I? <clears throat> not sheltered like you were like under a rock type of shelter <laughs> yeah no, I guess if it weren't for those friends like I would not have done weed at all yeah, dang. So, oh, geez. Wait, did you even drink alcohol before coming here? Um, <clears throat> I never got drunk. I just had, like, soju with my brother. Oh, so your brother enabled. My brother's an enabler. <laughs> <clears throat> dang, interesting. But, you know, what do you what do you feel about drug use, though? Are you fine with it now? Like, now that you've experienced, like, your real... Like, how do you how do you feel after that first experience? Like, have you, have you hit again, or... What? Um... That is Actually, yes, you have because I was with you that one time. But okay, the thing is, okay, I actually like still like so so stigmatized against it because like anything past like my my friends like stizzy I cannot Ooh. do. Like one time they were doing a blunt and they told me to try, but I could I could only take like a little bit and like it scared me. So I think it gives me a lot of anxiety just holding it. And like about to take it because like it's just like but you did the bomb. I didn't know. Wait, I thought you did. I didn't do the bomb. Wait, then how did you get so fucked? It was from Ryan Stiddy. Oh my the god. The same exact scent. Oh, are you kidding? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, just wait, one I took, that's I took so many hits, but I wasn't fucked. Well, I just have a different tolerance. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. And also, like, I think I don't. I disliked the feeling of being high. Mm. Like, I prefer being drunk, but I hate the taste of alcohol. So at this point, I I just accept it. That I'm okay with being sober for the rest of my life. So you'll be abstinent. Well, not abstinent like purposely, but like mm. I just like prefer it. I mean, that's good that you have like an aversion to it though. It'll save you I in guess. the long run. But yeah. like, what about hard drugs? What do you think? What do you? How do you feel about them? You know. I've heard about people doing them. Um, the closest I kind of had with it is my friend telling me he did it in Las Vegas. Um, Wait, the you know. That man did coke. Yes, and he felt nothing. Oh my god! He did that like man, three lines, and he was like, "Three lines? I'm what the fuck?" I, I mean, feel the drip, but like, he's a big dude. But like, are you kidding me? Holy shit! You know, I actually wanted to do coke. If you didn't know, you because you said you wanted to try hella things. Yeah, I did want to try just like just to like know because like obviously I study drugs. And I feel like it's vital information to to know to be able to like, experience firsthand. At least I feel like I'm too scared because I don't want to 
get that first experience I'm scared I'm gonna get hooked oh see that, I mean that's but then like I was talking about how like I believe it's more the context of your use that like feels the addiction I mean obviously you weren't here for it it was like a whole spiel but I believe it's the context of use and like honestly if you're using it just like just just to test it out and not like to escape reality or like to escape something in your life it'll be fine that's it'll true I think I'm always trying to escape life Oh, that's actually true. It, you might be more prone to it, but, you know. That goes with, like, I feel like I'm with people with all types of mental illnesses. I am, in fact, mentally ill. And is that officially diagnosed? Um. So we'll see. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being open. Thank you so much for actually agreeing to interview with me. And thank you all for listening. And also, thank you to my professors for being so amazing and flexible this year. And lastly, don't forget to stay golden.